I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Hey, you guys, it's episode 132 of Please Advise. I'm Malls. I am a little bit, well, I'm actually very hungover. I'm not still drunk, which was my first fear when I woke up. Um, Last night was the Emotionally Broken Psychos meetup at Sir and then Pump. And it was great, except, like, I started the night out very measured, very, like, oh, I'm just going to have, like, Tito's and soda, that's it. Or wine, that's it. But then, like, you kind of see, like, the specialty cocktail menu, you know? And, like, you're like, well, I guess I should try one. And then everyone had these, like, strawberry gimlets. And I realized at the end of our dinner at Sir that they had not been putting alcohol in our drinks the entire, like, dinner. I know. We paid and everything. And I was like, it's fine. But I was like, hey, everyone smell these glasses. Like, none of these glasses have alcohol in them, do they? So you were just drinking, like, sugar water. We were drinking, like, smashed strawberries and lime juice and with, like, like, ta- like soda water or something. And it was really good. Like, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like, oh, I'm so mad at this. But um, then then we I started to, like, get, I got to the next bar and I was, like, pump. And I was like, I want to get drunk now. Now I want to get drunk. Let's go. And make sure they're putting alcohol in our drinks. And Ryan Bailey had kind of said, like, you know, this is what happens at these bars sometimes is they'll, like, just either put in well, like, whatever vodka, 
it is that you order, they'll just give you well. They pour it into the bottles in advance, which makes total sense. Duh, I don't know why I'm like surprised by this. Yeah. But I'm also like, if I'm paying you for Tito's, just give me Tito's. Yeah. Right? I feel like also Tito's is probably cheaper than most well drinks anyway. I think it's, yeah, it's not that expensive. No. So anyway, uh, I made sure they put alcohol in my last five drinks. And <laughs> now here I am. My guest today is someone I've known for a while. He's fantastic. Um, he just walked into my house and was very kind and patient um, as I arose from my bed for the first time today. His name's Jack Moore. Hi, Jack. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Have you ever been to Pump? I have been to Pump, yes. What did you think? Uh, I don't watch the show. So I feel like I didn't have the proper frame of reference to truly appreciate it, but it mm-hmm. seemed fine. Have Everybody you, seemed very excited about it. Everyone is very excited about it. Have you heard of Cialis? I, yes, I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, um, the owner of Sir is in a Cialis commercial right now. So even if you haven't seen the show, maybe you've seen a Cialis commercial. So sure. Yeah. Good for him. It's a boner medicine. Yeah, I didn't it's know. like old dudes jamming in a barn for some reason. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. I like the old dudes jamming in the barn. I like the sales ones because of the two bathtubs, oh, which okay. is the least sexual. Like being in one bathtub is how you would have sex right. in a bathtub. Right. You wouldn't be in twin bathtubs next to each other. No. Is that like a foreplay thing, do I, you think? Maybe. But it feels like a very expensive and impractical one, you don't have two water hookups next to each other right. for twin bathtubs. That's that's just ridiculous. And it's also like it's not illegal to show two people in a bathtub. No, no, it's no. not like the olden days. Yes, it's exactly. it was probably very illegal to it's show like two love, people. It's like the love boat where everybody had to mm-hmm. s- married couples would sleep in twin beds. Exactly. Uh, Fuck that. Yeah, Jack. What was your last night like? What was my last? I just got back from New York mm-hmm. yesterday, two couple days ago. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what I did last night. Uh, oh, nothing. I had a migraine last night. It was the worst. I was supposed to go see Alien with a bunch of people. And yeah. then I uh, instead laid on my couch and like held my head and was in a fetal position. So, What's your sign? Fun. I'm a Taurus. I knew someone else. I don't know their sign. I don't know why I asked. But uh, <laughs> I knew someone else who had a migraine last night. And I feel like a lot of people are experiencing similar things right now. And it's because of this Scorpio moon. Oh, interesting. Do you believe in that show? Um, I don't know enough about it. I like to believe it seems like it would be great if it were real. I want to live in a world with magic. <laughs> and so yeah. like, I want to live in a world where what moon you were born under means a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that we live in that world, but I choose to uh, hope. Right. At least. Okay. Did you see the HBO documentary, um, Mommy, Dad, and Dearest yet? I have not watched yet. Okay. Like- I did mushrooms like oh, the when it came out and I and I watched it and at the end of it the girl gypsy you know you know the story I'm not giving yes. anything away yes 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 her stepmom who by the way like I forgot about Cajun people like I completely just forgot <laughs> just like as a rule like James Carville disappeared one hundred percent and so like when these Cajun accents come out of nowhere in the documentary like I lost my mind. Like, I was like, why are those people talking like that? Like, I was like, that is insane. That it, accent is insane. It does feel like an accent that is sort of, it like seems like nobody brings it with them anywhere. No. So it's like, unless you go to that specific Thank part you. of the country, you're not really, or James Carville's on TV, you're really not going to see it. No, it's like, so, so it's so specific. And so it start they, hi, Wags. Um... <laughs> But the stepmom of Gypsy Rose has a Cajun accent. Her dad's Cajun accent is like on one. Um, 
And she says, like, at the end of the documentary, she's like, you know, we owe we owe all of this right now. Like, where you're at right now, we owe all of this to God. And I, like, lost it. I like, started crying because I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, that is when you kind of say, like, this is because of God. Because, like, she sat in a wheelchair and was tortured her whole life. <laughs> and then she had to murder someone to get out of it. And she's still in jail, but she's not going to get the death penalty. And I'm like... Yeah, that truly is, like, the kind of thing where you're like, I believe in, like, God slash magic slash whatever. Well, it's way more comforting to think that, like, there's some giant, bigger-than-you magical force, God, whatever, that's making this happen than just, like, oh, the world is random and terrible, and I just got bad cards after bad cards after bad cards. Yeah. I mean, at least Gypsy didn't get the death penalty. Yeah. I mean... Win some, lose some. It's I mean, she might be a pathological liar. That part scares me, because, like, she... I don't... Whatever. Um, But listen, you're working on a new show. It's out now. Dear white people, tell me about your experience, sir. Yes. It was amazing, um, which... As you know, somebody who works in TV uh, is not always the case. Totally. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, Justin Simeon, who wrote and directed the movie, created the show and co-ran it with uh, Yvette Lee Bowser, who uh, created Living Single back in the day and like was a producer on a Different World. It was just like it was such a rewarding, like amazing experience to go to work every day and be like, oh, th- all of the cast are great. Oh, we're doing yeah. something that sort of at least is trying to matter. Yeah. Um, I feel like so often, uh, you know, there, there's that expression like, you know, drink the Kool-Aid. And I feel like so often at any job, but especially in TV and movies and kind of creative arts, like people who are in charge of those projects aren't even trying to make Kool-Aid, let mm-hmm. alone like have you drink it. Yeah. And it was gr- so great to work on a show where it was like I was readily drinking every drop of Kool-Aid. Like, this is great. We're excited. And. It really, I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out, and people seem to like it for the most part. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to hopefully do more. So, Christina, you liked it, right? You watched? Oh yeah, I binged it in an entire weekend. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. It was good. It was really good. It was Thank just you. like there were so many. Uh, well, aesthetically, it was amazing looking. Uh, um, Justin and uh, Jeff Waldron, who's the DP, they just like made it look. It looks like no other TV show uh, in a great way. Yeah, and then the Barry Jenkins episode was so like to see like um, homosexuality like an awakening in someone, and just the way they filmed it was just so beautiful. Oh yeah, thank you. Uh, they did great. The directors were all amazing. Uh, Nisha Ganatra and Stephen Tashida and Tina Mabry, Justin, Barry Jenkins. Um, it was really just like it's the rare creative experience where I was just like, oh, this is great, and I actually. Oh, Miss Malls, what? a little bit of getting to do the show because I remember what? coming to your house. <laughs> you were really hungover that day, too. Um, so <laughs> I, it was that the day I had Helen? Yes, that, that was, was the, the day, Helen I, got, day. Yeah. I got Helen. I wasn't hungover, I think. Was I? You were overwhelmed, maybe. Overwhelmed, yeah. There was, there was a general over, but you were so encouraging. I was choosing which, pro, which show to work on. I had a couple choices, and I really wanted to do Dear White People. But, you know, when you do the creative, fulfilling jobs, they aren't always as financially lucrative as the. But like, what was the alternative? Like, what was the alternative? Because that still seems like a pretty financially rewarding job. Totally. No, of course. Of course. Uh, you know, champagne problems. But was it like a network? Yeah, it was, was a it network show. It was a network, network show. Is it that was- show do? Is that show existing? Uh, that still? show does not exist anymore. See, there you go. It was the right choice on every 
in every regard. And I wanted to make that choice. And you were just like, what are you doing? Do the one that you want to do. Yeah, I get um, mad about I'm I mean, but also like that's my privilege of being like I've been really happy and really sad. And it's usually because I'm doing like the fun creative thing if I'm happy. Jack, um, are there any like pranksters on set? <laughs> Any pranks? Well, George Clooney stopped by. He switched everything out. It was a real, uh, a real mess. No, it wasn't really a prank. (laughs) Lots of pranksters. Yeah, it was just like Matt Damon and George were running around, and Jimmy Kimmel was always there. Is that like how? I mean, like, why did people start asking that question all the time? Did George Clooney just start pulling pranks? Then all of a sudden, everyone has to ask everyone about pranks. I think so. George Clooney is one of those people, and I love George Clooney, but I feel like (laughs) I feel like he's not. I think he's like funny for like a grossly attractive person. Yeah, and like his version of funny is like, (laughs) oh, I switched out your. Water for vodka. Yeah. Ah! And everybody's like. <laughs> Wild pranks. I know. And everybody like, look, exactly. Somebody loses like years of sobriety because of George's pranks. <laughs> but everybody looks at him and he's just like so pretty. Yeah. That I think they're just like, oh, George, you're so funny. And then well, here's what people the, think it's funny. I mean, okay. I think that George is probably a bad example setter in general. And he's probably been the end of a lot of people because he's the type of person where it's like, oh, well, George pulled a prank. Like, I feel like I can pull a prank, but not everyone can show up to work as present as George, pull a prank, true. and then get behind it, in front of the camera, rather, and kill Both. it. Both. Bef- in, in front, front behind. and behind, yeah. You know what, Clooney? He's all over the he's camera. He's doing pranks. He's on both sides of the camera. <laughs> playing yeah. some basketball on set. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, always playing some basketball on shoot, set. He loves shooting hoops. Loves to shoot hoops. That's the thing about and the And that's like, that's, that's like such a, I mean, no one can do that. No one can pull pranks, be on every side of the camera, shoot hoops, That's the original triple threat. <laughs> Man- <laughs> manage an Italian estate. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> it really is uh, a mall puts up with a lot. I know she absolutely does. Speaking of women who put up with a lot, great transition. Um, no, but this like really, I so I'm you know like normal people. I go to the bar and immediately I pull up a Vanity Fair article from 2001 and don't speak to anyone. Um, sure. But last night I was deep inside of these Anthony Weiner articles. Oh boy, just yeah. need to talk about. It. I know it'll be a little bit. This is our this episode will come out Wednesday, so it's not like old news by the time this happens, but like Jack, I'm so puzzled by him and like I need to know why and I need like how I've never what is that disease where like you just can't let yourself win? You can't have anything nice. The self sabotage on display with him is is like terrifying no i mean like it's like he and also he knows like that's the scary thing it's like it's someone that's like no every t- it's like a it's almost like a a superhero movie like villain this sort of thing where it's like no i can't do that every time i do that the same thing happens but then like they touch the slime anyway and they turn into this like horrific beast and it's like it really does it feels like that with him where it's like he knows it's wrong he just can't help himself and it freaks me out so I, I, I grew up in New York because I know mm-hmm. New York politics. And the thing about Antony, as I'll call him, mm-hmm. um, he was groomed at a really young age yeah. and taken in by some really powerful people mm-hmm. to be this kind of new scion of, of like of politicians oh. in New York. Yeah. So I think he was getting away with stuff for a long time and probably thought he was untouchable. Tiger Woods syndrome. Yeah. Oh, Drew Peterson untouchable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that like, like you, when you're like a little crown prince of like, you know, 
a big city. It's kind of what like, a little shit, dude. No, I hate hearing that. Interesting to me about him is that he never, like, by all accounts, didn't have sex with any of these people. No, and that he just sent dick pics and stuff. Yeah. Like at least, like it's one thing when you're Elliot Spitzer <laughs> and you're like, all right, it's super hypocritical to prosecute sex workers and do a stuff, and while you're simultaneously you employing know, them, employing them. Uh, but I at least follow the logic of like, well, he's having sex, I guess. Like that's, it's very weird to me that like in all of this, it never came out that Wiener was fucking any of these people. There was nothing like really like transactional about it. And I think that that's what you like. You'd like to think that there's like a more intentful. It just feels like he's getting like a real, like, I don't know what, I don't see what's in it for him. Like, I don't see. Like to set your career on fire and your wife threaten your wife's career too, and you know the entire United States uh, yeah. future, uh, all to like exchange some nudie pics. Like it, it seems, seems like, like real weird. It's like the difference between cigarettes and heroin to me. Like it's yes, like heroin. Yes, yes. Like you can't help that. Like once you're doing heroin, like you know, the analogy here would be I don't know, like raw dog sex with the uh, sex worker of your choice or whatever, right? That's heroin. But then, like, basically, like, sending a nudie pic is just, like, you can't, oh, like, you literally just, like, can't put the Marlboro light down. Like, you can't yeah. to say the the future of the country rests on your shoulders. All you have to do is put down the Marlboro light. Like, that is not, that's a difficult thing to understand. Like, why can't he do that? Well, it's weird to think that, like, if he just went out and hired prostitutes. Word. Donald Trump probably wouldn't be president. Yeah. Like if he would just have been like, look, I have a lot of money. I'm going to go to a CD Times Square, but well, not probably CD, probably some fancy pants Times Square hotel. Sure. Like right now, like Huma would be chief of staff. Like it's, True. and it's all because he had to, I don't know. It's crazy. So I, I have a theory about this. Yeah. Can I, I just, need sorry. to know. Um, no. So he, Please. um, so I think uh, there's a lot of things Why for is this a theory? <laughs> there's a lot of things for uh, politicians in general. I think crave attention. You yeah, know, there's a public figure. Yeah. So I think with him, he probably thought it would have been a worse scandal if he had been caught with a prostitute than just sending lewd text messages to women. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't think about the volume of text messages he was sending these to these women, how old these women actually were. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he got caught, they, they were just texts, so it wouldn't it wouldn't be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, he needed the attention. He yeah, there's, the attention something that there's something about, about just, like, people reaching female out. attention yeah. and, like, yeah. you know, getting that affection. Maybe she, you know, was busy. I don't know. Not to, like, put it on her, but um, he, he has, a, like, a psychopathic oh, need Laura. to be. <laughs> he has, like, a psychopathic <laughs> need to be, like, validated by female attention and desire. Yeah. Seems like. But, you know, yeah. it's just conjecture. Man, he blew it all. I mean, he has to, he's going to be a registered sex offender and go to prison now because of some texts. I mean. I mean, Bill Clinton did the same thing, kind of. Like, kinda. Blew, blew it all away for, like, you know, a blowjob. So. And nobody gives <laughs> Monica nearly enough credit. No, I we're ex- having, like, a renaissance for her a I little bit. I love Monica, but it's also, like, she's 23. Mm-hmm. She didn't sleep with the president. Mm-hmm. Like, she gave him a blowjob. He, like, I think put a cigar in her pussy. But, like. <sighs> There's no, but do you know how, like, if Bill Clinton, when I was 22 or 23, was like, 
Yeah. I want to have sex with you. I would be like, yes, sir. Whatever. You know, I serve at the pleasure of the president. I would still (laughs) sleep with Bill Clinton. Of course. And like the self control of a 23 year old in the White House to be like, Sir, we have to stop here. Non-existent. Is crazy. Yeah. Like, she should get all the credit the in the world. The power dynamic. Yeah. Uh, the power dynamic, too. She should get all the credit in the world for not sleeping with him. Yeah. That's... Was it her off. that stopped it? I don't know if it was her that stopped it, but I just... That's the, in your I just, fanfic? In my fanfic, it is. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I just can't imagine what we know about Bill Clinton, that he would have been the one to be like, this is fine, but we got to stop. <laughs> I feel like you would be one of those weird guys. It's like, I can... I'll do everything, like including anal with you. But once, <laughs> but after that, it's just too uh, far. The Catholic, then I'm cheating on the my Catholic wife. Catholic schoolgirl. Yeah, yeah. no kissing. Of, yeah, yes. like very like I could see him having like some weird backwards like Arkansas sort of way of thinking about the whole thing. Possibly, it just feels like we have so many stories of him having sex with other women that it's yeah. like it's. I I find it hard to believe that he uh, that he was like Monica. What are we doing? Do you think he has a big dick, and that's why? Bill? Yeah, he just like feel. I mean, like I think that when you feel yourself on that level, it usually comes from having a big dick. I don't know because I could see it going either way. Where like politics is a replacement on some yeah, level, yeah, for not having yeah. a big dick. I don't know. Yeah, power. Yeah, power yeah. makes up for penis size. I guess. What? How big do you think Bill Clinton's penis is, Christina? I'd say probably average, maybe six inches. Average, I yeah. Know. I could see Bill with like a six-inch situation. I'd say slightly larger than average. Okay. I would say that. Um, Good for you, Bill. Um, Jack, did you bring three reasons why you're qualified to give advice on today's show? Um, I, I brought reasons. I okay. don't know how good they are. Um, no, that's fine. All right. That's the whole point. Fantastic. <laughs> um, one, uh, I have gone to a lot of therapy, so mm-hmm. I feel like I know the – the general vibe of advice giving and getting uh, to uh, I recently came out to my parents as bisexual and it went okay. That's great. So that feels like, you know, a hard thing to do. Maybe were you afraid to do that? Yeah. Well, I was out to everybody here and in, in yeah. my life, so I was pretty comfortable, but then it was like about time to, to, you know, go all the way with it and just not have to, how did that convo go? Well, okay. My mom was great with it. My dad, like, it was kind of cliche. Like, my dad struggled a little yeah, bit, but he yeah. was fine. Right, I mean, right. it was like, it was within like a day we were, it was normal. Right, right, right. Um, so it was, they both were like, you don't think we knew? And it's like, no, you didn't. But like, whatever. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't know why we have to pretend like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that was, that's a tough thing to do that I, I pulled off. So that's a reason. That's great. Um, and I'm... I'm gainfully employed, which yes, you are. is not nothing. No. So those are, my, those are my three reasons. Those are great reasons. Yeah. A lot of people bring in all sorts of different things, and I think those are really good ones. There you go. Um, I would like ramen and a burrito right now, um, but I also <laughs> want to take our questions. Are you ready for some questions? Okay, let's do it. Hey, Mel. Um I have a question that would be perfect for you since you are a woman who is a writer in entertainment. Um, So about a month and a half ago, I met a guy on a dating app, and he's a writer for a large sketch show, comedy show. Um, We'll just say that. So we've been hanging out. I I, I actually ended up introducing him to a show that I'm, like, totally obsessed with, Um, and he became hooked on it. He, He loved the show. And he and I hung out a few times, and I ended up sharing an idea for a skit with him. 
and last night the skit was on that show, like beat for beat, exactly kind of my idea that I relayed to him. So as somebody who's not a writer and didn't get writing credits for that, but is actually aspiring to be a contributor to a show and write, um, what is like the code of ethics for this? And do I just chalk it up to be careful who I share information with? It's a little bit symbolic to me that, you know, this man kind of took credit for a woman's work. But at the same time, I don't want to take it too seriously and make a huge deal out of it. So how would you approach something like this in the moment? And how would you approach something like this going forward? Or do you think it's not a huge deal at all? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And, yeah, thanks so much. Bye. Did this call come in on a Sunday morning? (laughs) Oh, I I assumed it was Mad TV. And no? you thought it was yeah, Mad just TV. like I thought it was like a Mad TV situation. Is this a nine one seven? Did it come in on I'm a Sunday checking, morning? I'm checking. Do now. that right now. Okay, yeah. so two one two. I'm just gonna like answer. Say I'll say this. Okay, people steal from me all the time. Why wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> I have a very unique voice and a lot of fun ideas. Um, and you know, I had to accept a long time ago. I don't care. Like, I will always have more ideas, and I think that's very sad that people have to steal. I would be kind of flattered if I were you. Um, Also, like, you don't work at Saturday Night Live, so, like, you wouldn't have written that sketch. Like, either way. Do you know what I mean? That's the other thing that I'm always trying to get people to keep in mind. I'm like, well, just because you had that idea doesn't mean you would have ever had the opportunity to use it. So maybe chill on that. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I – um. It's tough because it sucks when it happens. It always happens where you're friends with somebody and suddenly you're like, oh, I told that joke. Especially when you work in this industry, you that, like, yeah. are just hanging out with other people who also work in this industry and you're telling stories and whatever. And that's like, oh, that's my life story on that episode of a show that my friend works on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely happens all the time. And I think your attitude is right. Is just like you are going to keep having ideas and it's sad that – he apparently doesn't. And um, th- I think, and this is a sad thing to say, but I think if you want to make it in this industry, the best recourse for you is to take this as a sign that your instincts are good and keep writing. Uh, because if you make a scene out of it, if you go, which is a shitty thing, it's not how it should be, but like you, people look for every reason not to hire somebody. And that's real and shitty. And, you should just take this as a sign that your instincts are good and keep writing because they are. And that's the best way you're going to get to do that for a living. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yes, I'm sorry. That sucks. It does suck. But you know, also, I don't know, like there was something you said back there that I'm kind of like thinking about. So it did come in Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. Duh. Um, there was something you said back there that I was kind of thinking about. It's about guys, maybe white guys, maybe. Yeah, girl, I don't know. I forgot what it was. But listen, I will tell you this. Just do your own thing. Like, it, it, like I just continue to write and move forward and do your own thing. I think I want to know. Oh, don't date comedians is what I was going to say to you. <laughs> I was going to say, like, maybe, maybe, like, part of the problem is that, like, you're trying to date guys in this world. And like, that's another whole thing. Like, I just try not to date guys in this world. Yeah. I, I to go along with that, Tina Fey once said, uh, it's in her book, I think. It's something effective, like, for a long, so many girls 
and I think it's true of guys too, think uh, careers are sexually transmitted or mm-hmm. something to to that effect. Yeah. And uh, do, if you want to be in that industry, don't think that that means you have to date in that industry. Because yeah. if anything, it's going to frustrate you and show you – like nobody's going to get their girlfriend a job and you're clearly better than that because you came up with an idea that's good for the show. So. That's actually something that I would really like everyone to know. No one's going to give their girlfriend a job. I am so confused by people who think that like – I had a meeting recently where I realized like the person that I was with like was thinking about how sexually they related to the person in the room and I'm like I never sit in a room – for work purposes and think like, oh, is this person sexualizing me? Like, it doesn't even occur. I, mean, I say that in a bathrobe with a weird hat on. Um, but like, And Wags know. does seem to be sexualizing you. So, I mean. <laughs> but in real world situations, I never think like, oh, like, is this person sexualizing me in any capacity? And it weirds me out that someone will go into a work setting and think that. I think that like, Feelings can grow. I'm not saying I don't understand like why of office romances happen or things like that. But like if you go into a job thinking like if I fuck this guy, I could get the job. I don't understand how your brain works, man. Yeah. Oh, you know what I wanted to ask? And I know we probably don't have more information from this person, but she I don't think she mentioned if they were still dating. I think that it sounded like it was like casual. Like, yeah, or like still seeing out. each other. Because if they're hanging still out. seeing each other. I would not see that person anymore, probably. Or like if you're just casually hanging out, like I would dial it back. Like don't make a big deal about it. But it's also like that's a unless unless he like comes to you and is like, hey, you had a great idea. And which I'm sure he won't because he probably thinks it was his idea. Right. Um, Yeah. I. Yeah. Do better. I wonder if. Because I'm going to guess this girl's like younger. Like I think she's probably like 23 or something. Yeah. Maybe. I'm trying to figure out. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think who would fuck an SNL writer. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm also trying to think of all of the SNL guy writers that I know. And I'm like, right. which one of these assholes? But um, no. And by the way, Most like, nice you know, God, God bless. Like, love, love your work. But like, I, uh, <laughs> I really am thinking like. Who would do this? And I, I think it's like a probably a 23 to 25-year-old girl. And I think she's probably going to get drunk and angry and say something mean when she's drunk. I think she's going to sit on it because she's probably intimidated, intimidated by him to an extent in general. And also probably angry about the fact that they're, quote, seeing each other. And yeah. like, which means he's definitely fucking other chicks. Sorry, I didn't want to like, I don't want to put this in her head. But like, let's be real. Like probably getting sketch ideas from a few girls if you know what i'm saying <laughs> he's so. his own writer's room <laughs> yeah exactly he broke up a, a different broke out another room so um yeah i just i i would uh, also avoid that if you can if you can avoid that future scenario i just told you which is like you know having too many cocktails or something and then saying spilling the real tea yeah the, and again just be writing all the time yeah like that's the what you didn't say this in thing, but having ideas is great. Um, executing those ideas is the difference between people who work in the industry and don't work in the industry. And it sounds like you have great ideas and good instincts. So just be writing and writing and writing because so- at some point you might have an opportunity to submit for something like this. And you want – when that door opens, you need to be ready to like sprint through it. So yeah. have stuff ready to go. Word. That was great. Okay. All right. Wow, I feel bad for her. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with some more calls. Hold on. Hi, Moss. 
Anne, Christina, and your guests. Um, so my name is Jess. I live in the Northeast. And my question is about, um, like, workplace dynamic, which I know, um, as you said, um, that you didn't really enjoy the whole office thing, which is where I work. And um, so I work in, a, in an office for a fairly large global company, but my office individually is pretty small. Um, there's still a good amount of people but you can pretty much know everybody. My department um, is myself, um, two guys, and our male manager. Um, the guys that I work with are also in their 20s, and um, we just do – it's a data entry position. It's not anything too serious, but um, I'm for me, I probably take it as – work and my question revolves around one of my coworkers. Um, he has been at the job only a few months longer than I have and has kind of taken it upon himself to be the supervisor, uh, which he's not, and it is making me crazy. Um, he will kind of like look at some work that needs to be done come into my cubicle and say, hey, you should take one of those and then leave. Um, but every day, um, he corrects my work all the time, which I, I work pretty hard. I don't really make a ton of mistakes, um, kind of rolls his eyes at questions, doesn't really seem to have a lot of respect for adjacent departments. And um, I know it's because he wants to make this serious career move but um, it's kind of condescending. Um, also has been known to disappear from the office anywhere from, like, four to, like, seven times throughout the day for, like, 30, 15-minute periods on the clock. And then we'll stay late because we have too much work to do. And I just don't know how to broach this. I know he has personal issues going on. But I don't think it's really fair for this person to take on a supervising position that he's not been granted, tell me how to do my job, and then never do his own job. Um, a big part of me wants to say something, but uh, because I am the only female, I don't want it to come off as, oh, look at the sensitive girl. Um, which they're all very nice. It's not that dynamic. It's probably in my head. But I just don't really know how to broach it. There's always going to be one, man. It really, always. Always. And, like, that's the thing. It doesn't matter how big or small or what the job is or whatever. There's always going to be one. And, that, and you can apply that to absolutely anything of what the one could be. There's always going to be someone in some workplace who's pulling off some sort of dynamic that makes everyone uncomfortable. And uh, I don't know. What what can you do about it? Like, other than just, I mean. It doesn't sound like she's super passionate about this as a career path. Right. Which I think changes my, like, sort of, if it was something that it's like she wanted to pursue. Right. Then I think there would be a need to probably, like, find a way to repair this or change this or whatever. But this isn't the hill she wants to die on. It seems on. like it's not where she, she said she just thinks of it as work. Right. Like it's, she said it was data entry. I, I don't know. It's a, that's a annoying situation. The, 
It's definitely a type, though, the person who tries to pretend like they're in charge when they're not. Totally. And, like, I also think it's the type, the person who pretends to be, like, pretends they're in charge when they're not. And is also delegating and is also, like, not working. Blowing off their stuff. That really drives, like, the. To do a job they're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, there's, oh, my God, 100%. I would say, like, the equivalent in our business is, like, the writers that don't, like, write. Like, the writers that just, oh. like, I'm like, but you don't, like. I'm more of an ideas person. Yeah, and it's like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. it's like, no, like, dude, do you, like, actually get up and do that? Like, it, I, I don't know, man. Do those people also be the, are, are the type that, like, negate other people's ideas like that's yeah dumb. yeah well that's always the like the d- death in tv writing it, like the best way to not work in this in tv writing is to be the person in the room who only has problems with other people's pitches and yeah. to never have your own ideas so it sounds like in data in, in the land in the data entry game maybe you can get away with that mm-hmm. um i i'm also curious she said the staff in her office is super small, like four people total, including her actual supervisor. I yeah. Think. So, like, where's your supervisor? Where's your real supervisor in all this? If in a three person office or a four person office, there's this like weird coup happening. Like, yeah. It does seem like the office lies is intimate enough that like it should be apparent, more yeah. than apparent, that this is the dynamic that's happening um, to any normal boss. I think that you just have to like kind of take the job for what it is, which it sounds like it sounds like a pit stop, like on your way to the next like thing yeah. that you do and collect that check. Who cares? Like if just make a game of it, like and I know that that's annoying because it's like one of those things that's especially if you're a person who has a persistent brain that's like constantly going Ugh. to be like, but this is wrong, but this is wrong. That's what my brain does. It drives me nuts. Like if something's wrong, I can't just be like. Well, it is what it is. Like that's that I've tried so hard my whole life to be. It is what it is, girl. I can't. But if you can find it in yourself to be that person, um, do it. Yeah, and I that I think that's exactly right. And I think also it sounds like he is slacking on his actual job. Yeah. So let him hang himself. Yeah, <laughs> like, that'll catch up to him. Like that, he is going to be found out for like frauds are found out. You know, like. In the workplace, like you can just you can only fake your way through stuff so much. Mm-hmm. And so let him um, play the long game a little bit. Uh, yeah, because it doesn't seem like it's it's quite worth, uh, you know, going to management unless you have a really good relationship with your actual supervisor where you feel like, you know, that that will be received well. And yeah, you know, whatever. If, if you have a good relationship, then definitely. But otherwise, I feel like. It doesn't seem quite worth it. And this is so far, by the way, from our first call in very recent history that's kind of come in with this slant of like, but I don't want to be the annoying girl in the office that does that. And I think that that's something that, you know, I I try not to think about being a woman as much as possible, which is what has made it be, like very easy for me. Like, I don't think of myself as a chick. So I don't like, <laughs> I mean, I don't not think of myself <laughs> as a chick. I just don't think of myself gendered wise. Sure. Um, and so when it, when I realized like, first of all, okay, maybe I should be thinking that way in certain circumstances, maybe certain, maybe I have taken certain hits because I'm a woman. But when I hear people saying like, I don't want to get caught, I don't want to be the bitch in the office. Like, that's been happening and coming up more and more. And like that in and of itself, it it bums me out because yeah. I know one that that's something that people actively have to battle against because it's real in their life every Absolutely. day. Um, and two, um, or, you know, 
I don't know. I mean, I want to say do your best, do the best that you can to not think of how someone's going to approach you because you're a chick, but it just comes up way too much that I like probably can't give that advice anymore. Yeah. I mean, the other side of this coin is if you don't really, if the job isn't super important to you, burn it all down. Like, yeah. Go, like, if you don't, like, it sounds like it's just work, then like, go, you know, it's all about like, incentives and what you want out of it like yeah i think you could probably get you know quote unquote justice for this guy being kind of annoying but it's also it's just about like what what matters and the system is so shitty in a million ways trying to navigate it leads to often shitty choices which sucks. yeah girl let us know what happens call us back I think you're going to like get a new job though. I think also, by the way, just be looking, always be looking. Yeah. Like have your eyes open to different things. Um, we want to take a next call. Hey malls, Christina and guest. I just wanted to call in because I am a fairly recent listener of please advise probably about the last six months or so. And I'm a 35 year old straight white male. And I really enjoy the podcast because I think you are hilarious malls. And I love your perspective. It's very urban. It's very modern. It's very confident, intellectual, sassy. And I think there's great input from Christina and typically the guests you have as well. Now, I listened to a recent episode with Gabby, and I noticed a few themes on it. And one of them was that straight white males seem to be an enemy. And I consider myself politically moderate. I'm all for advancing the causes of equality uh, for transgender, for sexual orientation, for people of color. However, I don't think that you're going to gain allies in the cause if an effort is made to alienate them. And what I've really noticed is comments like, when Gabby said that she intentionally doesn't want to have any straight white male guests because there's plenty of them on podcasts already, which it seemed like you and Christina agreed with, as well as other comments referring to um, decision makers for auditions or um, just people of authority in other ways that are specifically identified as old white guys or straight white guys, and therefore they wouldn't understand, they're not knowledgeable. And I'd just like to challenge you to think about what that would sound like if you were saying it's an old black guy um, or someone of another race or color um, and identifying them that way. Um, There are straight white male fans of yours and Christina's and the podcast, and I think there should be an effort to include instead of divide and um i'm gonna keep on listening but uh i would say i was disappointed somewhat in that episode and i guess i'd like to know your thoughts please advise okay cool a lot of uh stuff to unpack here but christina you got an email as well that came with this voice note right what did that say he said hi christina i don't know if you remember me but i'm the guy that tweeted you a couple months ago about what song it was that plays at the beginning of the show and you replied one, I'm also the guy that keeps tweeting at malls that she was the best guest on Alice and Rosen's Thursday show and she should go back because there's an opening. 
One thing I forgot to mention in the voice note is that I'm from Minnesota. I recorded it off the cuff, but I wanted to get my thoughts down after the Gabby Dunn episode in order to send them in a timely fashion. I hope you both have a great week. Okay, cool. So for uh, just, oh, first of all, I would love to go back on Allison's show. She hasn't asked me. Um, so there's that. So, but no, um, I uh, get, so Jack, just like a little bit of frame of reference for you. I'm, I'm sure, do you know of Gabby Dunn? You know who she is? I do, yeah. I don't know her. She has a podcast called Bad With Money, which is specifically about the way that people who have money, who had money and lost it, who, whatever, got into their situation where they are, like, falling upwards, basically. And um, <clears throat> what she was saying was basically, and I think that th- this is important to note for our guest, she doesn't want to book straight white guys on her podcast probably in jest, I think she said, which is true. I mean, it's it's a joke, but it's true. The podcast scene is largely made up of straight white guys, especially in LA. Like, this is just... It's like the podcast scene. Like, it's just people just shit. Like, it's a shift around to different podcast to podcast. And it's, you see that. Like, even I'm sure within the way that Allison and I book our shows, or even in the way that, like, I'm sure the other shows you listen to, there is a repetition that happens all the time. And I think, in particular, for Gabby's podcast, she didn't want the usual suspects because one, it's easy enough to figure out how some, like, straight white male comedian made his money. Two, it's a very different deal for women in particular aren't like you know I grew up in a single parent household that was like had a huge influence on the way that I interacted with money and the way that I looked at it and so and I think that's why for her podcast she feels that way she also made that joke which is true but um it's I don't I don't think that's really the main reason why she doesn't want white men um yeah I would love so I'm uh I'm not straight I'm bi but I'm definitely straight passing at times. And I'm a white guy. Um, and I, this is something that we deal with constantly with dear white people. Um, I got death threats basically around this exact issue when the first trailer dropped, uh, for dear white people. Um, and the two answers are all the two, like real smart replies people always have are what if there was a dear black people, which is addressed in the first episode of the show. But, Mm -hmm. um, uh, the short answer to that is the rest of society is dear black people. Like, yeah. It's very clear what society thinks of people of color or women or whatever because of the way representation is in media. And the the second thing that I'd really like to challenge this person on is that I get it. Like it's as a again, I'm bi, but as a white guy, like there's a, who hangs out with tons of women and people of color and whatever, like there is a thing where you can occasionally feel like you're the villain in the stories that you're hearing. Yeah, I get it. Like that's not fun, but I would ask this caller to one. It's an annoying uh, cliche. I'm sure to him to hear, but uh, to check the privilege uh, to check your privilege of this being a rare thing for you. Um, And second to realize that, the reason this is uncomfortable is because it is a time where you as a straight white guy are being considered part of a whole that, uh, and being considered all in a blanket way, the same way that frankly, our government treats people of color. It treats women. Uh, Jeff Sessions like this past week brought uh, is like bringing back racist mandatory minimums. Uh, and that's because uh, black people are treated as a monolith. 
And straight white guys have the privilege of not usually being treated as a monolith. You never have to speak for your on behalf of all straight white guys because people assume like, oh, you're an individual. Yeah. People of color and women don't always get that assumption. So it does feel uncomfortable. Uh, I acknowledge that to be thought of as, you know, uh, you know, to be part of a group that is occasionally lumped in together. But like, think about how often people of color get followed in uh, stores because they are thought of and lumped in as part of a group. Their things impact their lives in real ways. Police, uh, police violence against people of color, um, women's rights being taken away. These are like real world implications to being lumped into as a group. Uh, being kind of the butt of a joke isn't going to hurt you. Uh, and learning from the truth behind that joke can only help you and help society. So, uh, Calm down. That's true. Actually, it's the being the butt of the joke thing is true. It's like when uh, when else in history has it been an option for like straight white guy to be the punchline of a joke? Like literally never. But it's been everyone. You know, there's been everybody. Else. Everyone else has had that has had that pass already. So I um I do think though that it is powerful, and I am sometimes I will say occasionally taken aback just by how on. Our side of it, meaning people who are not just straight white people, uh, straight white guys even, it's like I just – I do sometimes think like, oh, shit, if we speak in that such extreme – in extremes, like we're – like how are we going to ever going to get – how are we ever going to get them to like see the light? And I do sometimes worry about that. Like when a grand sweeping statement is made, it, it – I can be sensitive to that because I'm like, look, I know that I wouldn't take that seriously. If I heard someone saying a grand, like, sweeping statement, I'd be like, well, you're a crazy person. Sure. Because you speak in extremes. So, like, that is where I sometimes, you know, I see, like, why these straight white guys are so, like, like, can't you see? Can't you see that what you're saying is wrong? I see that it's because it's you have to spoon feed it to them because they've never had to look at the gray area in their lives before. And I know that like I just I just am always trying to not get frustrated before I before I try and explain something to someone because the easiest thing to do is say like it's not my fucking job to explain it to you and like it's embarrassing that you don't know. But like you can say that but how is that going to really help you? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I do think it's a tough challenge because it's not anybody's job to like wake these people up or right. to like explain. It's not anybody's job. But I think that's, you know, like it's their job. It's that like you, you get the society you deserve on yeah. some level. And like, as a, you know, I don't know, like white guys made this bed. <laughs> like, yeah, it's okay for them to have to lie in it because that's. I don't know. I'm not just as a plug. Watch Dear White People. Watch specifically Dear White People episode seven, and I think you, uh, caller, will will at least understand these issues a little bit more and uh, realize why your question is is slightly missing the point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. That's cool that I have straight white male fans. So I really like that. <laughs> that was really cool. <laughs> Thank you for telling me. Um, I think we should take another call. Do you have anything you want to say? Um, I think that the, the one thing I wanted to say was that um, I think we spent a long time in that in Gabby's episode talking about how YouTube became a platform for marginalized voices to have an even even playing field. 
Um, and I think that needed to be taken into consideration with the white guy's comment because right. I know for me, I want to use the small modicum of power I have on this platform to feature voices that normally don't get featured in right. the mainstream. Same. Um, and I would like Ryan to seriously consider the media that he's consuming and um, realize the perspective that it's coming from and how often it doesn't necessarily reflect that of other people. I mean, the first time I've ever seen myself represented on a person like myself represented on television besides Gabby on Sesame Street when I was a child was um, Ugly Betty. And I was 20 when that happened. Yeah. Um, So it's that representation is really, really important. And that's where I'm coming from when I'm like thinking about the guests that we have on the show and stuff like that. Totally. Um, and and the type of media I consume. Like, I've learned so much about the black experience by listening to the read. Yes. And having an exposure to that. And I think it's important for other people to seek out marginalized voices and listen to marginalized voices to get a kind of intimate experience about what they're going through. Yeah. Um, And so I can understand how it can come off and seem like comments like that can seem like really dismissive of an entire race of people, which is something that I combat all the time. Yeah. Um. But I want you to I also understand that, like, it's not coming. It's sometimes we use hum- humor to cope with, like, the oppression of it all. <laughs> like, and the, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think he was taking it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, here's the thing is, like, let's not. I also always say this all the time. This is a comedy podcast because for legal reasons. But we also <laughs> like, but we also like. You know, we have a lot of people here who make jokes, duh, obviously. But also we talk about a lot of serious things, too. And I just, like, really, I challenge you, sir, to, like, really think to yourself, is this something that needs to be taken literally? Like, there are many things on this show that need to be taken literally because I mean it. Like, please don't kill yourself. Here's a suicide hotline number. Christina, insert a suicide hotline number here in post. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Like, but I I also think that, like, a lot of times people take things very literally and it very much bothers me um, because it's not – it's in, – in general, life is not that serious. It really isn't. And you can – it can – you know, I don't know. I you have to laugh, dude. Yeah, and you can handle it. Got to laugh. Um, and I have to say, the one positive thing, uh, I, you know, not so it's it's just not all uh, all the ways that you are misreading this <laughs> and taking things too seriously. Uh, good on you for listening to this and for listening to opinions that are different than your own, and just try to come at them with an open mind and uh, from a less defensive place. I think you'll get more out of it, and I as corny as it is like the world will be better if more people do that so do your part um one thing sorry i know we want to put a bow on this really quickly but i i do have to say too is that if you listen to me and you listen to allison you're listening to female content creators and like that is something that you need to keep in mind is that we're always going to be a little bit more open to change and progression and things that you're probably not going to want to hear from time to time. And that's that you have to think about who you're consuming your media from in that sense as well. I get very frustrated when 
someone calls for advice and says like, oh, it hurt my feelings when you said that. And I said, well, then why did you call my show? Like you have to know what you're listening to and it can't be the experience you would have wanted it to be all the time. Sometimes you're going to hear something and say like, oh, well, that really bummed me out. I remember very specifically actually growing up, I listened to this AM or this um, morning like shock dog type dude. And one day he said something about hating cats and I like loved my cat. It was like nine. And I was like, I'm never listening to this show again. This guy hates cats. Fuck that. Like, and I was so mad. And I was like, mom, I was like, I can't, I, I, I'm so mad. We can't listen to Maddie in the morning anymore. He's so disrespectful to cats. <laughs> and like, I just, and then like, you know, then like a week later, I was like, you know, I turned it back on and I had found it in my heart to realize that just because Maddie in the morning didn't like cats, that did not mean that he hated me and my cat. And so that it was that very, that was my first experience with that exact feeling that you're feeling, which is why I do have sympathy for you because I understand it's like, that fucking sucks to like, turn on the radio and the thing that you listen to for comfort and joy every morning, they're saying like, Hey, you right there, I'm pointing to you. I don't like the thing that you're doing. And, um, it's, it's, it's just, it's never as personal as it seems. And that's a feeling that everyone has experienced in some way or or another, whether it be, I just had weird deja vu when I moved that seltzer can, whether it be, um, you know, because you don't like someone doesn't like cats or because someone doesn't want to book straight white men on their podcast about money, which makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So, okay. Uh, Do we have more calls to take or a letter or something? Uh, What are you feeling like? Uh, Do you have a really good letter? Uh, I can share you a couple logs. I think we had one. Yeah. Let's okay. Let's do a letter. Okay. We have a letter and Jack is going to read it. Hi, Molly and guest. That's me. Uh, I'm 26 and live on the East Coast. I've been with my boyfriend for four years. He is a great guy, and we share the same values and morals and see eye to eye politically. I plan to spend the rest of my life with him. The problem is his family. They are very conservative Trump supporters who will reference fake news to back up their trash president and find fault with anything a Democrat does. An even bigger problem is that they frequently use racist, homophobic, and sexist terms. I hate being around them, but do still need to see them on holidays, etc., My boyfriend is not as bothered by their behavior and rhetoric as I am because he's experienced his entire life and is able to ignore it. But I get anxious in the lead up of us seeing them and I'm angry for days afterwards. It's a waste of time and emotions for me and I'm looking for any advice you have on how not to let their beliefs bother me so much. I keep my mouth shut when they start up with this language. Should I speak my truth and tell them when they are being offensive, even at the risk of them hating me? Or is it better to stay quiet for the sake of peace? And at the end of the day, how can I keep myself calm? Because ultimately, they are probably never going to change. Malls, I've been following you for years and love the podcast. Christina, appreciate you. Thanks, (laughs) Chloe. Damn. Now you know how it feels, Christina, to just be appreciated. I don't don't mind that. (laughs) I like being appreciated. Someone like... Jack, someone said they appreciated me recently after like a long string of praise. <laughs> They're like, Christina, I love you. So obsessed. Like best best chick ever. Malls appreciate you. And I did not take that well. So oh, man. you guys, you should love you should love and appreciate both of us. Ryan Murphy <laughs> feud season two. I know. <laughs> exactly. I would love that. 
Wouldn't that be so funny? It's all about appreciate you. Like, but also, like, it, there'd be no steam behind it. Cause, like, I would just give up at the end of episode one. I'd be like, oh, I don't care. I just love that every episode would be around this table. <laughs> I appreciate you. I just want to know yeah. who you would cast to play you in that. Oh, good question. Because um, I'm like, Rosario Dawson. Okay. <laughs> Gina Rodriguez. Um, I'm going like to pick someone. Um, I don't think she looks like me, but I think she could carry my attitude. Debbie Mazar. Be, oh yeah i i see that i could have a debbie mazar moment and i, I think that. that she could really bring the pain i, I don't think know i don't know her personally but i have a feeling she would do it yeah <laughs> i think she would do i think she's probably would jump at the yeah, opportunity i was gonna say i think her ears to play up. me in feud season two um debbie mazar call me um but um okay wait this is what Dr. Laura would say. And yes, this is a weird person to apply to this exact scenario as Dr. Laura is not uh, not great with some of those with some of the, the, the categories at hand. But um, why is your boyfriend putting you in this situation? There, there's like, you know, if you guys are getting married or whatever, if this is like for real, like it's what? Yeah, I gave up after that because the the real question is this, is just I don't think someone who loves you puts you in that position over and over again, and I think that they don't put themselves in that position. At a certain point, you guys become your own family, Um, and if you don't think that that's where this is going, if you don't think this is going to be a lifelong partnership that results in marriage or is just a lifelong partnership or whatever, at some point, I feel like it's this is his this is his battle to fight where he says like guys either, you know, you don't talk like that when we're around. You're right. It's highly unlikely that you can get them to wake up at age 60 or whatever it is, but you can have your boyfriend stand up for you and both of you and say like, this is unacceptable. And to be honest, think about this. If you guys have kids or something like that, these people are going to be in your children's lives. And like the thing that terrifies me the most about that is that there's just still children being exposed to like this, like rhetoric that is so exhausting and wrong and like, you know, just very clearly wrong side of history. Pretty obvious to me, but, uh, but kids are still growing up around this sort of language. I, I would, yeah, I feel like your boyfriend needs to cut them out. Uh, I have a slight disagreement. I don't know. Is that shoot uh, for the stars? I'm just gonna yeah. I'm gonna shoot my shot. Mm. Um, I my family is very conservative. My parents, yeah. um, they were not Trump supporters at least so far as they told me. Though I think uh, I believe them when they say they voted for Kasich as like a protest vote. But at the same time, they know better than to tell me they voted for Trump. Um, that said, uh, I do think that it's a tough situation for everybody involved. And I do think it's fair for you to say for her to say, I don't want to go see your family because it makes me uncomfortable. Um, And I just think it's a tough situation. And I think everybody, I think coming from the Midwest, it's very common uh, for parents and kids, I think to have great disagreements over politics and to truly resent each other. Often that's definitely my relationship with my parents about politics. And I don't, you know, we talk about other things. We, you know, find common ground. Um, I think he should certainly say this is not cool if they're constantly bringing up these things. And certainly the homophobic, racist, that stuff's unacceptable. Um, I, 
I think you should talk to your boyfriend about how this makes you feel yeah, and have that conversation because you guys should be able to find a way. This is a common problem that people deal with all the time. And I think you guys should be able to find a way to come. I think you're totally right on this, Molly. Like you're Thank you. coming. Well, like you're creating your own family with this person. If you think you're going to be with him forever. Yeah. And that means you're going to have to find strategies to deal with this going forward. And that means as much as a, podcast is a great place to reach out for help. Like you and your boyfriend got to figure out the strategy here. Yeah. It, it alarms me that it doesn't seem obvious to you that that would be the first place to start. And That's maybe, true. you know, That's what? sometimes point. we get, sometimes we get calls and people are like, Oh no, I did do that. I just didn't think I, I needed to say it. Sure. My boyfriend actually thinks this. You know yes. what I mean? My so boyfriend, boyfriend talked like, about it. If and your boyfriend's like, just deal with it, then that's a bigger problem. Right. <laughs> and that's and and here's the other thing too is that like I I feel that we are moving away from like the traditional family unit in so many ways in our society. And it's because we don't need it anymore. Um, Really, honestly, we don't. People are getting better about being autonomous, but they're also better about going out and finding their people because it's becoming more and more necessary and it's becoming more and more widely recognized that like just because you're born into something doesn't mean you need to cherish it or honor it or anything else. Um, I see a lot of people struggle with their mother or father thinking that like, oh, well, you only have one mom, you only have one dad. And it's like, well, what does it matter if you have one or, or 20 if they're terrible? Um, so and you can have as many as you want. You I, just have to find them. Exactly. Um, I do think that, um, you know, if if his argument is that like, you know, I have to make it work because they're my family. Like, I think that that's a lame argument. I agree. And I think that it's also like you're you're just allowing like a bag of trash to sit in the middle of your party. Like, you know what I mean? Why would you do that? Like you, you would you would remove that trash from that party. So why would you leave this like massive negative force in your life where it's like you're spending your holidays with them? Those are your few precious days off a year. Your Thanksgiving meal is a precious day. Like, and if it's not, if it's a day of dread, then that means you need to change something in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? I totally agree. And I think also I would like to say that like on this, uh, you know, sort of timely, it's last week now, but um, a big fuck you to Roger Ailes uh, who just died. <laughs> um, but uh, he's, so, almost solely responsible for so many people having this exact situation because he has literally spent years brainwashing people in the Midwest and turning them all over the country, but brainwashing parts of this country and telling them that what they should do is fear minorities and fear. Wait, who, who is this co- man? Roger Ailes was the, uh, oh, I was going to say he was the founder and basically ran Fox News oh, for okay, 25 it, years it. since okay. it started. And then he was ousted a couple months ago for all those sexual harassment claims that they okay. tried to like yes. sweep under the rug. Got it. Yes. And he's a monster. And he's the entire business strategy of Fox News from Jump has been, um, hey, white people in suburbia, you're right to be afraid. Yeah. And when you have 20 years of seeing that on your TV every night, you're going to start believing it sure. and it makes the world worse and it makes families divided in this way. And it's fucking unconscionable. And he's the first person in a long time that I feel like after his death, there was nobody making the, Hey, we shouldn't, uh, that guy just died. Have some respect. Everybody rightfully was like, fuck that guy. Yeah. 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 No, I totally. Wow. Fuck that guy. Well, yeah, 
I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add, Christina? I don't know. These situations are really difficult because even, you know, even in my family, there's like racism and like, (laughs) I was just thinking the other day, I was like, um, my uncle had a friend, uh, like come over and I, and and he was talking about how he was worried about his daughter playing softball because he thought that was going to make her a lesbian. Mm Mm-hmm. And, well, it did, right? Yeah, that's and how then, it works, No, right? but here's the thing. This was like 10, 12 years ago. So my mom was like, well, Christina plays softball and she's not a lesbian. Like, it's she's fine. Don't worry about it. She's a straight A student. And I was like, mom, you don't know that I'm actually bi. <laughs> and I actually yeah. was like hooking up with a girl last night. Um, but hey. yeah. Uh, but, you know, and it's and I just had to sink in my chair knowing this about me and not being able to speak up to this guy because I wasn't out yet. And I, I, how I would approach that situation now would be so different. But it's like, do you waste your breath if, if you know that the person's not going to change their mind, even if they know that they're personally offending you? I always hit a breaking point with my family, like where I won't, just, I won't say anything, I won't say anything, I won't say anything. And then like finally I'm just like, you know, that's wrong. Like I just hit a breaking point where I'm like, you know, that's wrong, right? Like my blood, blood relatives that I grew up with, um, I will always say like, you know, whenever they disparage another race or something like that, I'm just going to be like, people have said that about us, guys. Yeah. Like, people said that we just have come here and have babies. Yeah. Like, why are you projecting that onto another race? It's fucking weird. And he should absolutely, <laughs> this guy should absolutely call his family to task for racism, sexism, homophobia, politics. I- people are going to have different politics. But if he, if they're saying if they're dropping slurs and saying shitty stuff, like somebody needs to be like, Hey, that's wrong. I mean, I don't think think social politics should be, I don't think social politics should really be up for debate, to be honest. Like I understand people are going to want to do different things with their money, but like if someone is like very socially conservative, that freaks me out more than almost anything. (laughs) Um, you know, I want you to also think about this. I had to have a conver- really serious conversation with myself a few years back when I realized that, like, I was in a not totally dissimilar situation. And I just thought, like, is it even possible, like, if if my significant other can sit by and allow this conversation to happen just for the sake of making the peace, like, is there a part of them that really believes it? And that was like something that I just was like, I don't, I couldn't have kids with someone like that. Like I couldn't have kids with someone who wouldn't be like, wow, that was fucking awful. Like the second they left the room being like, that was torture because then that means that like kids could grow up around that language. And like, you know, obviously that's, there's like subtle things that people do all the time to suggest that they have a bias against someone else. And so whether it be just like, like, Oh, come over, stand in this TSA line to like, whatever it is, like it's, there's lots of ways that people organize information. I think that you need to like be looking at those cues with your boyfriend as well. Like, is he displaying signs of maybe believing in this stuff too? Because if he can just sit around it, then, you know, that is very true. Think about it. Yeah. I definitely think the onus is on him to like call Agreed. it out. 100%. Yeah, you are going to get called a bitch for sure if you do that. <laughs> if yeah, you yeah. bring it. If it's it, his it, job. Yeah. Let's take an ex- another call, right? We have more. Okay. 
Hey, Molls, Christina and guest. This is Danny, the 28-year-old girl from San Diego who called with the question that was answered on the Little Esther episode about possibly moving to Austin and asking for any recommendations. Um, I got back from my trip like a week and a half ago. I really fell in love with it there. I had the best time. The people were so nice. Everywhere was just like charm central. The food was amazing. Not one single bad meal experience, which is just so good. Um, and long story long, I got an apartment there and I'm actually moving in two weeks. It was just one of those situations where I got back, really felt like I wanted to do it. I found a place that worked out really well. It is so much cheaper than I'm paying in San Diego and it's adorable. And I get to live by myself for the first time in my entire life. So that is insanely exciting. And, um, in case you're like, what the hell you just picked somewhere without seeing it. I had someone go and vet the place for me on a very detail oriented level. So I feel very confident with what I'm getting into, but that being said, still a little scary, but more exciting than anything. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for affirming the feelings that I already had um, about my trip when I listened to your episode and um, two quick recommendations next time you go there. If you're looking for food that's kind of off the beaten barbecue path um, and something different, you should go to Parkside on 7th Street downtown. It's delicious. And you should also check out the High Tower, which I believe is in East Austin. Slightly more casual, but so good. And get the Brussels sprouts or you will deeply regret it. All right. Thanks so much. Well, I feel like someone's going to steal Danny for an SNL sketch if they listen to this, right? Like she was, I mean, Danny, that was like, I'm so glad Jack was here because you were almost a caricature of a human in that call and I really enjoyed it. It was so great. I feel like scientists need to bottle her energy and like it's a renewable energy source. Like that was incredible. Like when she said, in case you're wondering about my apartment, I was like, I wasn't. Like I literally was like. Like, so nice of you to think that I was going that deep on it. But, like, I literally, as I was going to be like, Danny, you just rented enough. I mean, you don't know how I live. I bought every, I bought this house the second I walked into it. Every apartment I've ever had in LA is the first and only apartment I've ever looked at. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, every apartment. I'm just like, I'll take it. Like, I'm just, that's me. Yeah. That's me with a department. Yeah, I, I do care. love the idea of you suddenly being like, well, you didn't go down your checklist. <laughs> like, it's just very Did you not check malls. how the, the yeah. hot water situation? Yeah. Like, that's always my thing. I want to know the hot water situation. Oh, I mean, and not in a situation like this. If it was Ed, I would say that. I'd be like, you know, Ed. Did you look into that? Like, is there a maintenance <laughs> man? Like, I would ask those sort of, but Danny, no. I think you're, whatever. Listen. Live your life. That's so great. Live your fucking life. Um, We do have a whole list of things that people recommended from Austin, which I know that I'm behind on. Um, Was it Leah who sent it in? So my friend Leah, um, who's awesome. She's an emotionally broken psycho as well. Oh, by the way, you guys, awesome, emotionally broken psychos meet up last night at um, Sir and Pump. We got to meet Guillermo. Fucking awesome. No, just listen to that podcast too. Um, but Leah, who's a psycho, is um, she put together a huge list. She has like really, really great taste in restaurants. So, in particular, that's like her specialty. So, um, go check that out on our Tumblr. It's pleaseadvisepodcast.com. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. Pleaseadvisepodcast.com. Okay. Um, 
One thing I want to say too is that this Danny, Danny for some reason reminded me of this. I was watching Doctor Phil yesterday. Do you watch Doctor Phil ever? I do once in a while. It's yeah. gotten really good. Oh yeah, yeah. This like, is a good arc. It's just like he's just killing it every do, day. Doctor Phil is killing do, it. Do you think when Bull came out, like it really reinvigorated him? That like a hot NCIS dude was playing a young version of him on TV. Yeah, but he was just like, I'm back. Yeah, probably. I also wonder. If probably. Like, Oh, right, 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 right. No, I think it was, um, he's been booking incredible guests. Like the, the Shelly Duvall interview, the oh Burke, Ra- I got him, I got on board during the Burke Ramsey interview. That's when I started to record <sighs> Dr. Phil every day. Um, look, and again with the Shelly Duvall thing, it's not ethical. It's not no, okay. Super, super fucked up. But, but if it's on my TV, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Uh, you can't stop me. So I didn't go to her house. You no, know no, what I mean? That's on him. That's on him. That's on Dr. Phil and channel four. If anything, you made like <laughs> you made that not a total waste. If you hadn't right. watched it, exactly. she would have suffered for nothing. I was talking about it yesterday. I, was, I mean, this is the most thinking about Shelly Duvall I've done in my entire <laughs> life. Um, but I wanted to say, so yesterday we were watching, I have a jailbroken fire stick, don't arrest me. And like, I was watching Dr. Phil's like from like 2011. And there was this girl, she was so great. She was like getting into marijuana and drinking and like she's 15 and her stepdad hates her. He's like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Emily. Like he was just saying stuff like that. And it would just be like, you're not allowed to say that. Like that's probably problem number one. Dr. There's two great things during it. Dr. Phil started reading some of her tweets and he goes, I'm so high. I could eat a star. (laughs) Yeah. Like lost it. I think that ended up being a two chains lyric on the last (laughs) chance, the rapper album. And like that said, like like it was just amazing because Dr. Phil, you could tell, like, I'm like, Phil, you've smoked weed and you know why that's funny. Like I could he was smirking a little bit, and I'm like, you know why that's funny. He knows what he's doing. Um, but then the best part was, and I'm so glad that he called the mom out on this because I thought they were just gonna blow through they do those packages, you know, where they go to the household and they're like, My teen is out of control and like smash it to the mom, like digging through her purse or whatever. Um, so the mom goes like Emily can't go to jail. She just, she loves fashion so much. I couldn't see her in that. And that was like her only thing. And I thought they were going to just blow past it. And Dr. Phil says, like, during that last package, you said something that really, really disturbed me. And like, it was like, please let it be the fashion thing. Please let it be the fashion thing. And it was the fashion thing. And the mom's like, you know, that's obviously not the only reason why I don't want her to go to jail. And Dr. Phil's like, well, it's the only reason you said. Like, it's the only reason you listed. It was wild. I she think looks it's terrible in orange. She looks terrible in orange. She loves She's fashion. not an autumn. I mean, it was great. I'm so high. I could eat a star. That's so great. Uh, Dr. Phil, everyone. Great show. All right. Um, <laughs> l- let's take another call. Hey, Malls. Um I have contacted you a couple times on Snapchat and freakishly uh, screen-capped your replies because they make me happy to look through in my camera roll. Um, and Christina, you're a boss. Anyways, I am, like, very unhappy where I'm living right now, which is a bitch-ass thing to say because I live, like, right off the ocean in the Marina Peninsula. It is glorious. However... My next-door neighbors have started complaining about noise, and I'm very conscientious and, like, close the doors quietly and make sure not to have the TV up after 
you know, eight. After eight, I put it to like a solid seven and I put subtitles on. And like, I live in a studio, so it's super inappropriate to have guys over. I don't unless we're working. But these people next door have started complaining to my uh, landlord that I have guys coming in and out of my place. And my landlord's like, well, she's a human. She can do that. Um, but it just makes me feel really awkward because it makes me feel like they think I'm like a harlot or something, which is totally fine. But it's like, that's not what I, I don't know. It's just it, making me very uncomfortable. Also, uh, landlords upstairs know that I work for a production company and have been really hassling me to like write something with them. And the first time I wrote something on spec and, uh, they promised pay and they didn't pay. And now they're pushing for another project that's happening crazy neighbors are happening. My apartment doesn't have a kitchen and I would like to like really cook. Um, and I can't have people over. Also, I have the most darling sweet next door neighbors that are like in their eighties. And, um, like they were so fucking sweet. I broke my foot a couple of months ago and I brought over groceries and, they're magical, but like now they want to hang out all the time. And I, I spend like a day a week with them, but I'm a busy bee and I don't want to hurt their feelings by not being able to like invest that much. I want to be in their lives. I don't want to be enmeshed in their lives as do I not want to with my crazy neighbors or my landlords that kind of screwed me or I am just ready to move. So am I being emotional through this decision? Oh. Okay, this was something my mom said that I thought was very wise. My best friend is getting married and just found a super cute place with her husband to live at. So maybe I'm, like, just jealous of that. Or maybe it's time to move. Um, so I drank a beer, and I'm a lightweight, and this may have not made sense, but I – and it might be a horrible question to ask, but I love you guys. There's no, like, nice way to say this, but you need to grow a fucking spine. Like, why are you just letting people trample you all the time? This is, like, I, like after the, I mean, first of all, isn't it by nature calling it a spec? It means you're n not expected to get paid for it. I think usually, yeah. If you write on spec, that's yeah, what that's on spec means, means. Yeah, so just, and also, like, what is a scenario in which they're, like, paying you to write a script for them? Like, that's not... Yeah legal that's not legally that's not just so you know that's like the stupidest thing you can do is to give someone an entire pilot and be like yeah you paid me what 250 dollars for it or whatever oh. there needs to be like they take that and sell it let's say let's say they're able to do anything with with it which it sounds like most likely they would not be able to um like they could take that and make millions and millions and millions of dollars on your name for what was a 250 dollar fee that's just like yeah. insane don't do that um I mean, yeah, you got to move like it's it's just it's I I agree. Like, fuck it. If you you know, if, if it's who cares if they think you're a slut, who cares if you know, if if the landlord doesn't care that you allegedly have these people over all the time, whatever, who cares? But there sounds like there's about eight other things in the mix that point to like, this is not an ideal scenario. And I think that. When I was younger, I used to struggle a lot in a situation. Be like, but I just like you know, this is where I live though, so I like have to make it work. And what about making it not where you live? Like, what about just not dealing with any of that? I feel like you would take a deep sigh of relief your first night in a new apartment. 
this is the beautiful thing about apartments. Mm -hmm. Just leave. Yeah. Who cares? Like, it's, I mean, yeah, you may, you know, deposits and all that stuff. I get that it's real. But, like, at the same time, you listed, like, 12 reasons why you don't want to live there. Like, Mm -hmm. and then you called a podcast asking, is it okay if you move? Just you gave yourself 12 reasons. Like, I know it really bothers me when people don't recognize that they can't follow their gut to this extent, because it's like, I like a person who has some awareness around an inability to follow their gut instinct. Like I'm usually terrible at following my gut instinct. That would have saved the call for me. If you showed any sort of awareness around how inappropriate it is that you have to ask so many people about whether or not this is an okay situation. Um, like, you already talked to your mom and now you're calling me. Like, how many people do you need to say this to you? And how many, like, different reinventions of, like, the same exact bottom line do you need? Also get a kitchen. What You should yeah. have a kitchen in your place. I mean, here's the, only, here's, here's the only thing that I'm, like, feeling for you is that I was very, very broke at a point in L.A. And I lived in Koreatown in a, in a studio where my, where my kitchen was my bathroom and my closet as well. So it was, like, it was a very – like, I had no stove. Like, it just was, like, a – it was a wild environment. It's called a bachelor apartment, I believe. Yes. Um, but if you're really like really broke, like is she like I assume she's in the marina of LA area, right? This is that what she's talking about? I'm gonna Google it real quick. I mean, you don't need to the live production by the ocean. company stuff too, like makes me think it's yeah. It's LA. I think also like you don't there are cheaper areas. She sounds young. <laughs> yeah, she sounds young and there, it's a very common misconception, I think, when you first move here that like you have to have access to the beach. Like, don't worry. You can still get to the beach even if you live an hour away from it. Like, yeah. you know, that's I think that that's something that people over overvalue. And, like, let's be real. Like, are you using the beach every day? Like, is this something that you need to have in your backyard? I um, love the beach. And I've been here for five years and have never lived anywhere close to the beach. Right. Totally. And still go. It's great. Yeah. You totally can go. And I think that that's – just why so many people like Boston kids always wind up in Santa Monica always it's all it's like Santa Monica is Boston and Whitey Bulger was hiding there we literally all go to Santa Monica but like I um I yeah I just think that you need to find a place that's more realistic for you and you know also this is also the price of apartment living too and like there's always going to be that that rub with there's an apartment. One. Yeah, there is. There's always one. Let's bring it back to the first scene. Like, fucking, there's always one person. Legitimately always. Um, it's, it, it is the truth. If, there's, if, it's, if it's not one thing, it's another thing with an apartment. Dude. Yeah, stand up for yourself. Is the, like, you don't want to hang out with people? Don't hang out with them. If you don't want to write scripts for people who are taking advantage of you, don't write scripts for people who are taking advantage of you. Like, it... Self-respect. I feel like this girl is going to grow into herself, though. I hear I hope that, so. though. Do you know, like, I hear that in her voice because she does seem like she has energy and she's bright. And Absolutely. she's like, she has all that stuff going. So, but I do think this is going to be one of those circumstances that, like, when you're 30 and you, like, look back on this situation. I mean, God, for- I hope to God you're not 30. <laughs> um, but I think that you're going to look back on the situation and as soon as, like, four years and be like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, I was, like, totally, like, letting people trample me. Like, that's insane. Um, so I'm I'm excited for you for that realization in the future. And if you don't have that in four years, then maybe you should move home. 
Yeah. Google uh. Google Joan Didion self-respect Vogue and then just like tattoo it on your body. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Um, Christina, do you have anything to say to this last girl? No, you I think you guys kind of need it. Yeah, I did. Oh, that was I was that's why I was laughing because like when I moved here, I moved to Venice. That was like the first thing I did because I thought I wanted to live near the beach. Yeah. And then it was kind of a haul to like even get to Hollywood. And I was like, Yeah. It's for the birds. Yeah, it's Let for me. the birds, for for, yeah, for for seagulls. Like I um love uh Glendale. Can't recommend it enough. Literally the city of dreams. Like greatest it's the third safest city in America. You think I'm kidding? No, it's I know you're not. I know you're not kidding. <laughs> it's great. I'm obsessed with Glendale. Yeah. No, I'm like obsessed with it and I feel so lucky to have it. And like I feel sad for people that don't get it. You'll spend more time at places like the Americana and the Grove, whether you want to or not, <laughs> than you ever will at the beach, no matter where you live. So yeah. just and also that said too, I lived in Glendale right across from the Americana for two years and I went to the Americana maybe three times in that entire time I lived there. So you can also very easily avoid things you don't want. So if you're like, I don't want to live by the Grove, you don't have to go to the Grove just because you live near it. You can still drive to the beach on weekends. People are so silly in LA. Um, okay. Do we have any more calls or are we almost done? Jack, thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I can't believe I've known you for so long and I've never had you on the show before. It's okay. I've just been a recipient of your good advice. So it's <laughs> been uh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> That's, that was such a fake laugh. I'm so sorry, but thank you. <laughs> um, I, You know what, man? I I don't know why I ever tell anyone what to do with their lives, but I will tell you that you gave yourself that advice. You did... I, you did what you needed, you wanted to do. It's always within you, man. It's never not within you. That's true. That also occurred to me on mushrooms the other day. Not like just, oh, like my mom could have um, put me in a wheelchair my whole life and I could have murdered her to get out of it. But also just like, why sometimes, why do I attach myself to people and things thinking that, like, oh, that if I work with this person, that's going to be the answer. When the answer is everything that I've ever done that I've really enjoyed or been proud of is something that I've done myself. You knew that when you came in. I just told you what you already knew, which was, like, do the thing that makes you happy. Art over money first always, you know? That's true. That's true. Yeah. And also, like, always take a Netflix or a cable job over, you know what I mean? Duh. For sure. And also swear to def and to that last (laughs) caller. See, like I needed, uh, I needed help, uh, with something I already knew too. So it's cool. You don't have to do mushrooms to get to that realization point. Um, all right, you guys, I love you so much. Jack, where can people find you online? Obviously dear white people is available on Netflix, but where can people find you online? Um, I am at Jack P. Moore on Twitter, and I write about politics every day for GQ. Um, so you can find me uh, on GQ.com. Every day? Every day, twice a day. How are you not so depressed? Oh, uh, medication. Lots yeah. of medication. But okay. yes. Um, I can't imagine that. It's uh, it's the worst. I have so many things that are just Donald Trump, TK, TK, TK. Yeah. Something's coming. Yeah. Oh, fuck. When did you start doing that? Uh, I started doing that like I started at GQ a couple years ago and I moved to politics about a year ago. I was doing like politics and sports and a bunch of stuff. And then uh, about 
15 months ago, I started doing just politics. When you're writing on the show, do you have time to do that too? Yeah, I, I make time. I do one thing. It helps that we're in LA. So yeah. uh, they're on East Coast time for GQ. So I do one thing right before I go to bed to be published first thing in the morning. And I do one thing first thing in the morning before I go to work. Uh, and those are my two things for the day. That's great. Yeah. Wow. A lot of work, you guys. Side hustles. Side hustles forever. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Christina, you can find Christina at Christina Lopez on Twitter. Hey, K Lopez on Snappy. Christina Lopez on Instagram. We're on all those things, too. Just look for PLZ Advise. Make sure you are subscribed in the iTunes store, by the way. Sometimes you're just listening and you're not even really subscribed. I do that to other podcasts and I'm trying to remedy that. I went through all of my podcasts where I had one or two episodes that I listened to and wasn't subscribed and I subscribed to that shit because it's fucking important that you subscribe. It's also important that you give five stars in the iTunes store and leave me lots of compliments and buy me things. Um, I'm Molly McAleer. You can find me at Mall on things and uh, I love you guys. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.